Thanks for tuning in to the Meadowview Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a church who seeks to grow in Christ, gather in community, and go in obedience to the Great Commission. Morning, church. All right. I, I, uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. As you're turning there, uh, Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. Uh, just to give you kind of a heads up, kind of what we're thinking over the next few weeks as far as scheduling goes for church. Uh, the 10th and the 17th, that's the next two Sundays, we want to bring back uh, child care during service. And so kind of kind of boost that back up. I know there's some amens from people watching online who are wrestling their kids right now. Um, and then the 24th and the 31st, the last two Sundays of this month, we would like to bring back Sunday school and Sunday morning small groups. And then in February, February 3rd, hopefully all things are kind of back to normal. We've got Wednesday night programming and all those things uh, taking place. So uh, just kind of give you a heads up there. Hey, we made it. 2020. Yeah, we made it. We made it. 2021. Uh, you know, this year we saw things like, you know, the pandemic. That was a pretty, pretty big thing, in case you didn't know. Uh, Australian wildfires. Do you remember that? Uh, we had the most hurricanes in a calendar year in 2020. Uh, here's a big one. I know some of you are still upset. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle quit the royal family this last year. That's when you know things are getting bad. Uh, murder hornets. Do you remember that? Murder hornets. Um, and, and there was a presidential election, in case you didn't know. Uh, and if you live near Georgia, hang on, man. It's, it's almost over, right? It's almost <laughs> over. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, been a, it's been a wild year. And what I want to do is I want to talk to you about what's essential moving forward. What's essential in 2021? And uh, the gospel is essential. I mean, the word essential is kind of one of those words that popped up this year in our vocabulary. There's a lot of things that popped up, you know, like mask mandate, uh, social distancing, new normal, quarantine, virtual school, virtual church, uh, no indoor dining. That was, a, that was a new thing for a lot of us. Uh, half capacity. Uh, ration the toilet paper. That was another one. Um, and then, you know, wash your hands, people. Wash your hands. <laughs> and so this word essential is kind of one of those words that popped up. And really when, when this kind of all began back in the spring, the church had to sit and decide what's essential. What's essential moving forward? I, I remember last year, and I looked this up, I had a 2020 vision. And we took the first Sunday of 2020, and we, we talked about what that year was going to be like. Well, we didn't see that coming. So uh, let me remind you of some of the things I said we need to focus on in 2020. We need to focus on Christ and his sacrifice rather than our sinful indulgences. We need to focus on Christ and his redemption rather than our condemnation. We need to focus on others' needs rather than our wants. We need to focus on spiritual health, not just physical health. We need to focus on relational freedom rather than just religious functions. Those things ring true, don't they? You see, the, the thing is, it's a new year, but the same purpose. It's the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I, we looked at these verses not 
too long ago, and I kind of hit them during the Advent series, and I wanted to revisit them before we jump into, Lord willing, the book of Acts next week, uh, taking our time through the book of Acts because it's almost like the church has to restart. So um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to jump in and read these verses 1 through 11. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Father, I would pray right now that we would see the gospel as essential that all other things would kind of take a backseat, that our love for you and our desire to tell others about you would be at the forefront of our minds. Father, right now, as we are bombarded with different cares, different worries, and different uncertainties, remind us of the gospel. Remind us of grace. Remind us of your mercy. Remind us that you came and you lived the life that we can't live. You died the death we should have died, and you have made a way for us to be reunited with the Father. Father, we love you. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, follow along with me there. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. I preach to you, which you received and which you stand and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, verse 5, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was in me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Paul writes these words, and he says, I'd like to remind you, brothers, of the gospel, the first importance. What is the first importance? And then he talks about the grace of God. The first thing I want you to see in 2021, keep the gospel at the forefront of our minds so we won't believe in vain. We need to keep the gospel at the forefront of our minds so we don't believe in vain. Now, I would like to remind you, brothers, of the gospel which I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand. So the gospel was received, it was believed, and they stand on it, and by which you are being saved if you hold to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Paul tells this Corinthian church that they need to be reminded of the gospel. They need to be reminded of the gospel. R.C. Sproul said this, your testimony is not the gospel. The gospel is not about me. The gospel is about Jesus. Your testimony is a story of how you became a Christian. I think it's very important that Christians are able to articulate to other people how and why they, be- they became believers. We all should have a prepared testimony. 
And we should be willing to share it at the drop of a hat. But we shouldn't confuse our personal testimonies with the gospel. The gospel is about Jesus. Now, you should share your testimony. You should be able to tell why you believe what you believe and how Jesus saved you. And even, even Paul here, he's like, look, I was one of untimely birth. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, I wouldn't be the man that I am today. And so I've worked harder because of what God did. He showed up. He blinded me and I was stopped on my tracks and I gave my life to him because of the grace of God. We should have a story of how God stopped us in our tracks, how he moved us from death to life. But let me tell you, our story is just the primer for the gospel. Because our testimony does not change lives. The gospel of Jesus Christ does change lives. It's the power of Christ. He emphasizes that the essential, what is essential. And he says, what is essential is if you will hold to the word of God. Hold fast to the word. Now, I don't know if you've seen, but I've challenged us as a church this year to read the Bible. There's one thing that's essential, and it's the Word of God. It's the truth of God's Word. And we, are, we're, we have Bibles out there in the lobby. If you haven't grabbed one, there's plenty. Uh, grab one of those on your way out. If, if you need help downloading it or getting it on the YouVersion Bible app, I can help you at the end of service with that. But I, I've challenged us to read through the Bible. And so some of you, if, if you've read today, you know that uh, there are some, there's some good names in the Bible. That if, if you're looking for a name for a child in 2021... You know, j you know, there's some good ones in there. So, you know, good biblical names. And I know it's a lot of reading, but it's not the amount of reading. It's the actual reading that changes our lives. Hold fast to the word, church. It's essential. The gospel is essential, and the word is essential because it is a matter of life and death. Do you believe that? The word of God is a matter of life and death. Now, let me explain it to you this way. Steve Boone's not here today, but I said I, said I was going to use him. Steve Boone, he's a, he's a pilot in our church. I don't know if you've met Steve. Uh, when Steve talks to you, it does sound like a Southwest pilot coming over the intercom talking to you. It's, it's really cool. Uh, I've had the chance to go up in the plane with him a couple of times. And when he talks to you over the, over the mic there, it does sound like, okay, I'll, let me fasten my seatbelt and get ready. And uh, my daughter, for her 15th birthday last year in 2020, before everything got crazy, she wanted to go flying for her birthday. And so Steve Boone, being a friend, being the guy he is, he made it happen. And so we got in his, his plane, and we went up, and we flew over her school. We flew over our house. We flew over the church. We flew over the lake. We did all these things. And at one point, he said, okay. Livy, I want you to take the yoke. That's the steering wheel, in case you don't know. I want you to take the yoke, and I want you to fly the plane. So I'm in the back seat, and I was like, this will be fun. Good thing I took Dramamine, right? So, um, so she grabs it, and, and she's listening to every word Steve says. She is locked in, and she is doing exactly what he says. You know why? Well, it's not really life or death. He's still in charge. But, you know, like for that moment, she's like, okay, this is serious. Now, what if he had said, now, Libby, I want you to land the plane. I don't know. Okay. No, 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 we're not doing that. Right? No. So, but if he had, if you were in the plane and Steve Boone said, hey, all right, now I want you to land the plane. Let me ask you, would you listen to every single word he said because it's a matter of life and death? That's where we are with God's word, especially in the culture that we're in right now. 
It's a matter of life and death. There's, there's got to be believers who see God's word as essential and we hold fast to the word because it saves us, is what Paul would say. If holding fast to the word of, of God, the gospel, is, in, is not essential in 2021, then the reality is we could, we could wreck our faith or become consumed by a culture and its ever-present attempt to drown out our faith with the cares of this world. There's a thing that's essential. It's the Word of God, and we need to hold fast to the Word of God, and we don't need to loosen our grip because we're being pressured on every side to be tolerant of others and their ideologies and their lifestyles that are contrary to what the Scriptures teach us. Hold fast, because there's a world out there that's trying to cause you to loosen your grip of God's word. This word tolerant, to be tolerant, the definition actually means to allow the existence or occurrence or practice of something that one does not necessarily like or agree with without interference. That's the word tolerance. The word originated in the 16th century from the Latin word tolerare, and it means to endure pain. The church is called to endure the pain of living in a world that does not acknowledge the gospel as truth. However, tolerance is being redefined. The word tolerance, as D.A. Carson puts it, tolerance has changed from accepting that lots of people have different views, some of which are wrong, to agreeing that all views are equally true. So the culture is telling us to be tolerant of views, which means that we are to view their truth as truth. It may not be my truth, but that's your truth. You understand what I'm saying? And if we don't hold fast to the word of God, then we'll forget what the truth is and we'll become tolerant. Hold fast to the word of God. You see, when we are holding to an old view of tolerance, it means this, that there's an objective truth that can be known. That people believe they know what that objective truth is. And disagreements, dialogues, and debates can give everyone the opportunity to learn, to grow, and to change, and possibly come together on that truth. That's tolerance. The new definition of tolerance says this, though. There is no objective truth that can be known because it's relative. The new view of tolerance says people do not have the truth, but only what they believe is to be true. The new word tolerance says disagreements, dialogues, and debates are useless and needless because they just cause conflicts and prejudices. We need to hold fast to God's word. It's essential, and we must be reminded of the gospel. And this is what Paul writes to the Corinthians who are dealing with all kinds of sins in the church because the world was creeping in on them. Why must we hold fast to God's word? Let me tell you why. Because tolerance is trying to eradicate truth. We have to hold fast to the word of God and know the word of God. It's essential because tolerance, the culture of tolerance, is trying to eradicate what is true. And if we don't know what is true, we will easily be pressured into giving up what is true. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher said this, I believe that one reason why the church of God is at this present moment 
at this present moment has so little influence over the world is because the world has so much influence over the church. The very church which the world likes best is sure to be the one which God abhors. The church that holds to truth will not be liked by the world. He says, now to remind you, brothers, of the gospel, which I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, are being saved. That's progressive language. Don't, don't let that confuse you. It's an ongoing sanctification that happens with salvation. You're saved at conversion, and you're saved until completion, and that's a process of salvation. Progressive sanctification. This is why Paul would say in Philippians 1, 6, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God is at work within us if we hold fast to the word of God. We grow in Christ the same way we began in Christ, by holding fast to the gospel, by believing the word. By believing it, meditating on it, focusing on it, preaching it to ourselves, reminding ourselves of the work of Christ, and diving into God's word daily. Hold fast to the word of God. If we want to be a church that fulfills the mission of God, we have to be a church that holds to the gospel. The gospel is essential. As we sat in the offices this spring, and as we looked at the church calendar, and as week by week went by, and we would begin to erase another program, another event, we would say, okay, well, let's try to, let's try to reschedule. Well, and then we'd wipe it off. And every week it was, we have plans, and then we'd erase them. We have plans, and then we would erase them. You know, what, you know what became very obvious to us as a church? There's one thing that's essential. Preaching the gospel. We, we'll take everything else away, but we will not take away preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we began the gospel of Mark when we began quarantine. Because if we're going to finally be online where people can see us, then what are, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about the gospel, that we have no hope without him. The power of God in the church for missions and ministry is found in a heart of a church that is both personally and corporately beating for the gospel. Let me ask you, church, does your heart beat for the gospel? Does it beat for people to know the truth about Jesus Christ? Until that's the heartbeat of the church, there will be no powerful impact in the community and the world around us. It's not about providing entertainment. It's not about being a church that has the best programs. It's about being a church that sees the gospel as, as essential. If we want to be that church in 2021, the gospel has to be at the center of who we are and what we do and the words we say. Martin Luther said the gospel is the doctrine on which the church rises and falls. This church in 2021, let's remind ourselves of the gospel. Let's stand firm on the gospel. Let's let it be the foundation of everything we plan and do in 2021. And let's hold fast because the world is going to pressure us to let go.
Amen? Verse 2. We only got 11 verses. We'll get through it. (laughs) And by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. Paul says, if you put you as more important than the gospel, then it's vanity. Do you understand that? Unless you believed in vain, unless you became the central part of your life and your focus, you believed in vain. The actual Greek word for vanity means without success or effort. So you can believe the gospel intellectually and show no spiritual growth or success in your life if you remain at the forefront of what's important. Let me say it this way. If the gospel isn't more valuable and more essential than your own selfish wants and desires, then your belief will be in vain and without purpose. Can I say that again? If the gospel isn't more valuable and more essential to you than your own selfish wants and desires, then your belief will be in vain and without purpose. This is what the Apostle Paul said. Everything else is rubbish compared to knowing Jesus Christ. Everything else I could put as, as first is not worthy of being first. The gospel has got to be first. And as a body of believers, the gospel has got to be first in our hearts. So here's the second thing. In 2021, keep Christ as the first importance so his grace isn't given to us in vain. Keep Christ as first importance so his grace isn't given to us in vain. Let's read again verses 3 through 10. For I delivered unto you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance to the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Safe to say they've all fallen asleep by now. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. It is by the grace of God. Grace is the unmerited help given to people by God. Grace is something you don't earn, you don't deserve. Grace isn't something you work for. Grace is a gift. It is a gift from God, and none of us deserve it. Joseph Henry Thayer says this, the grace of God was the merciful kindness by which God exerting his holy influence upon souls turns them to Christ, keeps, strengthens, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles them to exercise Christian virtues. Basically, everything the Christian life is encompassed by is grace. There is nothing you can do. There's nothing you can Serve. There's nothing you can act on or say without the grace of God moving you in that direction. Paul says, it is by the grace of God. It's not what I did, but it's the grace of God in me that allowed me to work harder than anybody else. This is, this is Paul talking. It is by God's grace I am what I am. Because Paul, he wasn't looking for God. 
He wasn't looking for Jesus. He wasn't, he wasn't a seeker coming to church looking for salvation. No, he was actually persecuting the church. He was, he was dragging people to jail. He was, he was approving of the stoning of Christians. And Jesus stops him in his tracks. And he says, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I would have been, I'd have been a goner. Here, here's the easy way to remember that. Without grace, we're all goners. Without grace, we're all goners. If it hadn't been for Christ showing up and showing his grace to you, you would not be here today. If it wasn't for the grace of God placing different people in your path that would preach the gospel to you, you wouldn't be here today. If it wasn't for God giving you the gift of grace, you wouldn't be saved. You would still be lost in your sins. It is by the grace of God that you're even sitting in a pew listening to the word of God be preached because there are countries all over this world where you're not persecuted by wearing a mask. You're persecuted because you believe in Jesus Christ and you will be killed on your way to church if they find out. And yet, we're, we call it persecution because we have to social distance and wear masks. The gospel is essential. The gospel is to be proclaimed. We're saved by grace, sustained by grace, and we are served, we serve by the grace of God. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. Romans 3.24, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The gift of grace is instantly given and gradually revealed in the sustaining work of sanctification. Do you understand that? Grace is instantly given, and it's gradually revealed as you walk with Christ. It is the grace of God. Ephesians 3, 7 through 8. Of this gospel, Paul writes, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power, to me, though I am very least of all the saints, the grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul can't get over the fact that God's grace has saved him, sustained him, and now he serves through the grace of God. It's all by grace. Without grace, we're all goners. We've all been given a gift. We've all been given the gift of grace unmerited favor of God. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. But it's the grace of God that you are who you are today. The gift of God's grace is in vain when it's only given to us and doesn't get used through us. Paul would say, it wasn't given to me in vain because I worked harder than anyone else to make sure that people heard the gospel. He says, the, this grace was given to preach. I was given grace for the gospel. I was given the gift of God to, to give the gospel to others. You've been given a gift. You've been given a gift for, for the gospel. Your personality, listen, your passions, your possessions, combined with the person and work of the Holy Spirit and the varied gift of God's grace in your life has uniquely positioned you for a gospel work in 2021. No one else has the same relationships you have. No one else has the same personality you have. 
No one else has the same possessions you have. No one else has the same passions you have. No one else has been positioned exactly where God has positioned you by the grace of God for the work of God in 2021. God has a purpose for the gift of grace that he's given you this year, and it's to work in and through you for the glory of God. That's what's essential. What's essential in 2021 is the gospel. Paul would say, don't let this gift be given in vain but use it for the glory of God. The third thing I want you to see, in 2021, let's work harder as a community to preach the gospel so our existence as a church isn't in vain. You you get that? In 2021, let's work harder as a community to preach the gospel so our existence as a church isn't in vain. We're not just a building that sits in the middle of a cow field for people to come to on Sundays. We are a body of believers that are positioned by God's grace to go out and preach the good news to anybody who will listen. That's the purpose. We're not a building that people come to. We're a people sent out by God. He says this verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it's not I, but the grace of God that is within me. Look, we can work hard, but it's not what we do. It's what God does in and through us by the grace of God. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. Now get that. Whether it's I or they, whether it's Paul or the apostles, it doesn't matter. We preach. So people believe. That's all that matters. That's what is of first importance. So let me ask you this question, because this is the question that we all had to pose as a a staff as we sat in our little office area this year. What's the purpose of the church? What's the purpose? I mean, there's a lot of good things we can say. Oh, you know, provide a place of worship to to evangelize, to disciple. And we we can begin to say all these things. What's the purpose of the church? I'm going to tell you, it's found right there. Whether it's me or you, we preach so people believe. What's the purpose of the church? Preach the gospel. It's the only thing that's essential. It's a matter of life and death. It's a matter of eternal salvation or eternal damnation. So whether I preach or you preach, we preach, okay? You're like, yeah, but Jeff, you're paid to do this. You've been given a gift of God's grace. You've been given a testimony as a precursor to the gospel of Jesus Christ because the gospel changes lives. The grace of God. It's all by the grace of God. You can't expect, this is tough, okay? You can't expect the church to operate corporately any different than we operate individually. Because we are the church. And a lot of times we hear things like, man, I wish the church would do this. I wish the church would be about this. You can't expect the church to operate any different corporately than you operate individually. Because whether it's I or they, it's we. We are the church. We are the church. 
going to close by reading out of a book from J.D. Greer called Growing by Sending. It's one of the books I picked up last year. He says this, Many people are bored with church. They're afflicted with a nagging sense that they ought to be doing something, that there is something meaningful, there's some meaningful mission they are supposed to be a part of. But they can't quite get their mind around what it is. And so in the meantime, they sit in church, try to pay attention, give their tithes, behave as best they can, and wonder if they get to, when they get to heaven, if they're going to be rebuked for failing to do whatever it was that God wanted them to do. Perhaps these people go to churches where they hear that Jesus is building his church and that the gates of hell will not prevail against them. But they don't see themselves or their church prevailing against the gates of hell. They seem to be just getting by. I mean, he can't remember when a single adult convert, one truly brought out of darkness and delight, came to Jesus in their church. And they certainly can't remember one whose story they were personally a part of. J.D. Greer says, Study after study shows that most Christians have never even shared their faith, most indicating that somewhere about 90% of evangelicals have never shared their faith with anyone outside of their family. But the gospel is essential. It did. So whether I or they, we preach. So they believe. See, church gets boring when we're not doing the very thing that God's called us to do. And I can tell you that if we were out there preaching the gospel day in and day out, it wouldn't be very boring. Would it? It'd be scary. It'd be nerve-wracking. It'd be exciting. It wouldn't be boring. So in order to fight the boredom, what do churches do? Well, we revert to entertainment. We revert to programs to try to liven things up. We try to provide something that people will like so they'll come back to church. 2020 exposed the fact that the church calendar was made up of a lot of things that weren't essential. They were just pretty. The gospel is essential. J.D. Greer goes on to write, Some Christians see church as a cruise liner offering Christian luxuries for the whole family, sports, entertainment, child care services, a business networking opportunity. They show up at church asking only, can this church improve my religious quality of life? Does it have a good family ministry facility? Does the pastor preach funny, time-conscious messages that meet my felt needs? Yes. <laughs> Do I like the music? If their church ever ceases to cater to their preferences, well, there are plenty of other cruise ships in the harbor. In fact, often they get involved in three or four of them at once. After all, the music on this cruise liner A, and the kids enjoy the youth programs on cruise liner B, and we do most of our fellowship and Bible study with friends in cruise liner C, and we occasionally podcast the angry pastor down the street because he tells funny stories. Other Christians believe that their church is more like a battleship. The church is made, of, made for mission. And its success should be seen in how loudly and dramatically it fights the mission. This is certainly better than the cruise liner. However, it implies that the church institution does most of the fighting. The role of the church member is to pay 
the pastors to find the targets and to fire the guns each week as they gather to watch. They see their programs, services, and ministries of the church as the priority in fighting the war. You know what our church needs? Our church needs this ministry. Our church needs to do this program. Our church needs to be doing what this church is doing down the road. And so we see it as a battleship. But he says this, but I would suggest a third metaphor for the church, an aircraft carrier. Like battleships, aircraft carriers engage in the battle, but not in the same way. Aircraft carriers equip planes to carry the battle elsewhere. In fact, the last place an aircraft carrier ever wants to find itself engaged in battle is on its own deck or anywhere near it. When you are an aircraft carrier, the goal is to keep the battle as far from you as possible. You load up the planes to carry the battle to the enemy. Churches that want to prevail against the gates of hell must learn to see themselves like aircraft carriers, not like battleships, and certainly not like cruise liners. Members need to learn to share the gospel. We gather here today for an hour, but we're the church. So whether I or you, we preach. We preach the gospel, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's the matter of life and death. It's the matter of being dead and being alive. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Can you say that today? By the grace of God, I am what I am. It's by the grace of God. His grace towards me was not in vain. Can you say that today? His grace towards me is not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it's not I, but the grace of God that is within me. Whether then it is I or they, so we preach. And so you believed. We preach. This word we preach is a present continuous verb. It's ongoing. We preach. Not once, not twice. We preach continuously. Grace is given to us, not by works. It's given to us for his works. Let's be a church, a body of believers that go out and preach in 2021. Amen? The gospel is essential. Thanks for listening. It is our prayer that this message has helped you grow in your walk with Christ. Go to our website, meadowviewbaptist.com, or subscribe to hear more sermons like this, or to get more information about how to be involved at Meadowview Baptist.